Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast with myself, Jacob Milham. And if you uh, don't don't try to adjust your dials at all, there that is a Jeremy Greco in the background there. And Jeremy, why why are you crying, man? We just started. Because Chris Bubich is getting Tommy John surgery. Jeremy, Jeremy, I know he's your guy. Are you okay? Do we need to send you an edible arrangements? Like how how can we help, man? Edible arrange. I mean, edible arrangements always help. <laughs> I mean, true, true. Max, I, I don't know if you've ever had an edible arrangements, but they don't last very long around me. Uh, no, I have not. I yeah, but I haven't had uh, I haven't had to deal with uh, the loss of a my favorite picture to Tommy John surgery either. So you know, <laughs> it's whatever whatever Jeremy needs to get through this. In this Jeremy, time. he was absolutely unconsolable, like from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So it is, Jeremy, I promise we're not going to talk about Chris Bubich until later in the show. So go ahead, collect yourself. We'll be okay. I promise. Okay, well, I appreciate I, that. I, 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 I don't know, know if we'll be okay. <laughs> I don't know if we'll be okay. Honestly. The rotation's not going to be okay. No, the rotation's <laughs> not going to be Okay. To say the least, to say the least. But hey, let's let's go and start off today's episode with a with a little bit of a positive. So that that Saturday night game, man, that was that was something else to watch. I was listening to a good portion of it, and Jake Eisenberg was great on the call. I really appreciated listening to him. But Max, an eleven to eight come from behind victory for the Royals on the road in Los Angeles. What did you think of that victory? Uh, you know, it's good to see them have some fight. Uh, you know, they they were got down a couple of times where uh, they'd give up the lead and or they'd get a lead and immediately give it up. And there was a couple of times they could have folded it in. I, what I what really struck me is that it's kind of the formula of you know the 2014-15 squad where they didn't strike out. They had three strikeouts all night. And this is a team that for a team that doesn't hit home runs and doesn't really walk much. They they strike out a lot generally like they're fifth or sixth in baseball uh, in strikeout rate and they only had three on Saturday night uh, you know maybe you know some of that's on the Angels pitchers I mean they weren't facing Shohei Otani uh, that's for sure it was Reed uh, Detmers I believe on was it Reed Detmers on Saturday Detmers was today no it's today it's, uh, today uh, yesterday was oh Tyler Anderson on Saturday another uh, cromulent lefty and uh, you know they put the ball in play made things happen and it was kind of good to see them. Uh, you know, and, and 11 runs was a season high this year. So hopefully that'll be a little bit of an encouraging uh, thing for them going forward. Uh, you know, Sunday didn't, I wouldn't say it necessarily carried over, but you did see them hit a couple home runs. Uh, now they're all solo home runs. So that's a, a bit of concern, but it, it does seem like, I mean, I think you can, if you are optimistic, a half glass full kind of guy, um, you can kind of squint and see some signs of improvement. Michael Massey's starting to get some hits. Bobby Witt's getting some good swings in. Vinny's getting some good swings in. Now, MJ Melendez left the game today with back tightness. We'll have to keep an eye on, on that. But um, I think we're starting to see some signs of improvement with the offense. We'll have to see as this road trip continues whether or not they can sustain that. Yeah, I it just it was an impressive win for me because I feel like the Royals have really kind of as soon as they get behind, I, I wrote about this uh, in last Sunday's recap. Um, as soon as they get behind, it just feels like they roll up, they're done, they, they give in. Um, and they didn't give in Saturday night, and they didn't actually give in Sunday afternoon either. Um, even after uh, 
Uh, Lyles gave up the three home runs to give up the lead. They came right back the next inning. Bobby Witt hit another home run um, and brought it within one. I mean, they still ended up losing that game, but there was some competitiveness that I think we've been lacking. Of course, it's also worth pointing out that with the Angels getting the win today and going back to 500, the Royals have played one team that's under 500 so far this season, the Giants, and they won that series. So there's an element here of the, the they've had a little bit of bad luck to start the season as far as scheduling goes, where they played a lot of good teams. Atlanta has a very good team. Toronto is struggling a little bit uh, in the, in the AL East, but that is a tough division and they still have a record over 500. The twins are leading the division. The Rangers are having a great start to the year. Um, so I, it's good to see when they're playing a team like the angels, which is now at 500 was under 500 after the the loss yesterday um, to see them being a little bit more competitive. And it gives you a little hope that as the season goes on and they play some of these other teams that aren't as good as Atlanta and Texas, that they might find a way to scratch out a couple of wins. Yeah. And that's, that's something to keep in mind during this road trip is the fact that, you know, they, they dropped the series today against the angels, unfortunately, but Hey, they didn't get swept, which is what we all experienced on the homestand. But now it's not going to get easier for them. They're going to go down to Arizona. They have to face the Diamondbacks who are leading the NL West. These are not your these are not your father's Diamondbacks that are looking very, very good, especially considering the competition they have faced so far this season. And then they have to go up to Minnesota and face the division leading twins. So scheduling is not going to get any easier over the next six games, at least Uh, we can reevaluate, you know, this time next week, of course, and see how things are looking. But I do agree with both of y'all that Saturday's game, while it was a win, I wasn't excited that I wasn't as excited that it was a win that ended the seven game losing streak. I was more excited about the fact that, Hey, these Royals were down two runs in the, it was the top of the ninth, if I'm recalling correctly. So they they battled back. I think, you know, baseball savant does the the win, the live win percentages and things like that. They had a single digit percent chance of winning against the Angels Saturday night. And they came back and they battled back against their closer. It wasn't just some random reliever that they were facing on a throwaway save chance. It was their closer. So I'm I'm feeling really good about that, especially with the young lineup that was out there on Saturday. And also kudos to Mac Quatrero. I, I talked about this on the recap, but I really loved how he deployed pinch hitting Nikki Lopez to try and rack up more runs against the Angels instead of hitting Nate Eaton, who could have like I'm I'm sorry, just Nate's not having a great season at the plate, unfortunately. I love him. I wish he was doing better, but he's just really not. But Nicky Lopez, while he didn't record a hit, he got an RBI and he kept the lineup rolling and he kept the runs coming in for the Royals. So I'm really feeling good about that. Honestly, I'm kind of feeling better about the Royals right now, even compared to the San Francisco series win. Because go ahead, Jeremy. No, go ahead. Well, so I feel like the San Francisco series win was more about pitching than anything. And looking at the pitching, you know, it has all in all, it has regressed a little bit. It's regressed more to the mean 
rather than being a top 10 rotation than it was earlier on in the season. But you know, that Saturday night win was all about the bats and the bats have performed in two of the three games against the angels. Um, and even the, the Friday night loss was two to zero. Like they could have won that game at, at any point, but it was freaking Shohei Otani out there on the mound. So it's hard to feel bad about that. Jeremy, go ahead. And they, uh, one of the things I, I think it makes a lot of sense to feel really good about this Angels series, even though they lost it versus the Giants series, which they won, is that not only did they face adversity in terms of uh, runs being, being down certain number of runs in the ninth inning, but they faced adversity in that they thought they tied it. Kyle Isbell hit that ball and they thought it was a game tying home run and it wasn't. And then they, they kept going anyway and they, uh, they managed to still come back and it could have been so easy to go, Oh, that wasn't the home run that we thought we had and to just deflate and collapse from there. And they didn't. Yeah. And just to kind of piggyback off that, there, there was also an, uh, a, a deflating moment where it looked like they got the third out of the inning, right? The sixth inning when Zach Nita popped out, Phil Cuzzy apparently called a balk and that was not many people. I mean, they went to commercial break. No one knew everyone thought the inning was over. And then they're like, no, no, come back in the field. Nito comes back, get tied, uh, they tied it up with a game-winning or game-tying single at that point. And, you know, that was kind of a deflating moment. And I did want to ask you guys, like, there was a rough weekend, I think, with the umpires. Like, there were some calls that, I mean, Otani got the benefit of the doubt. Okay, star status. But even Saturday, it seemed like the Royals weren't getting the calls at home. The weird bulk call by, by Kuzi. And Quattraro came out and argued a little bit. But I saw a lot of fans kind of wanting more fire out of him, wanting to see, you know, the frustration from a, a five and sixteen start kind of bubble over, boil over. And he's not that guy. I mean, he's like a laid back dude. Uh, I don't know if we're ever going to see that. Do you think that's going to be a detriment to a young team that is off to a really bad start? Do they need? you know, not necessarily a fire breathing, you know, table throwing manager, but do they need a kick in the pants a little bit? Or is it kind of, you know, it's a long season with a young team. I mean, we certainly know the clubhouse vibes weren't great under Matheny and it was a little tense in there because of the grind and they win at all costs every day mentality. Is it better to kind of, you know, I think Cortar has talked a lot about the long view. Let's let the season play out a little bit before we start, you know, panicking, um, so I don't know I'm curious what you guys think about the the kind of attitude a manager needs to bring when a team's struggling as the Royals have struggled so far this year. Jeremy, go go and pick up after me because I'll I'll be brief. But I don't I don't think in in April of all times you want to have that fire breathing manager. Now, if we are if the Royals are you know in a long losing streak again in like, say after the all-star break or in August, when you have even more young players likely up in Kansas city and stuff like the Phil Cuzzy, because let there's a whole narrative about, about Phil Cuzzy because a random tidbit I saw today, since they started the substance checks on pitchers, the only three like pitchers that have been ejected in game have been because of Phil Cuzzy. Like he's been the lead ump on all three of them. And good friend of the podcast, Kevin O'Brien has put out there like, Hey, Phil Cuzzy, sometimes he just, he has a big ego. It feels like sometimes he kind of has to make it about himself. I don't know the guy personally, but 
his actions do speak louder than any words he could tell me to be honest. So I, I, I'm surprised that Q wasn't more fired up about the bulk because I did come back and that really did impact the game later on. But I, I think he will be calculated about when he is like that because you, you got to think he's still a rookie manager. Like that was his, what that was his 21st game that he's been a manager. He's probably still trying to get comfortable in like, okay, when do I push the envelope when it affects my team? Jeremy, please go ahead. I, as far as whether the Royals need a fiery kick in the pants manager, they had that for the last three seasons with Mike Matheny. And obviously that didn't work out. Um, so I think it makes sense to go in a different direction. I also, I, I can understand the argument for, Oh, you know, you can fire your guys up, but can you really, does it really matter? I mean, obviously no matter how hard he argues, he's not going to change Phil Cousy's mind. It's not going to happen. The balk is called and he's going to stick by it because that's how umpires roll, especially umpires with big egos. So at that point, all Quatero can do is try and get himself thrown out and maybe fire up the team. But uh, anecdotally, I remember when I was in Little League, uh, my manager got thrown out at the right before a playoff game started uh, because the umpire was giving us grief about we weren't getting on the field to warm up fast enough. And, and so he went and had an argument with the umpire and he got ejected before the game even started. And we were all fired up for about 15 minutes. And then, you know, that it's baseball. There's a rhythm to it. There's you can't be fired up for three hours or however long a, a whole baseball game is you, there's just not the human capacity to, to have that energy too much. Other stuff is happening. You're thinking about too many other things in game and outside of game. So I, I know, I don't know what the benefit would have been for him to really get more fired up in that situation, uh, especially because I think it is important to, uh, I think one of the things he's argued is that it is important to have that long view, to be calm, to be rational, to go, okay, it went against us today, but maybe tomorrow we'll get it. Cause the point is the, the, the process, not the results. Okay. All right. That, I mean, that's a great way to put it, Jeremy. Hey, real fast. Sorry. We're actually pretty deep in the, in the podcast. So coming up on the other side of this ad break, we're going to be talking about the, the quote unquote talent gap narrative that's now surrounding the Kansas city Royals. Plus what will the Royals do with the beloved Bubich's rotation spot heading up to his uh, next scheduled spot? Yes, I know. We're going to hear Jeremy crying over the whole podcast. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the Royals Rundown Podcast with myself, Jacob Milham, Jeremy Greco, and the Royals Review Editor, Max Reaper. So, Max, I do want to I want to start off with your thoughts on this, but I want to set the table a little bit. So, you know, judging by different radio broadcasts and different narratives out there around Major League Baseball, there is a thought that the Royals are at a talent detriment, if you will. And that's not talking about who and what they haven't or have developed, but rather for natural baseball talent, like just whoever given, whoever is decided, hey, this person's going to have great baseball talent. The Royals just don't have it at several positions in Major League Baseball, as well as in their farm system. And I think, I'm I'm blank on who I was listening to earlier. It was on Fox sports radio. So please um, excuse me, but they were talking about the fact that 
Um, if they had to rank the Royals on a talent scale, not even results scale, but a talent scale, they would be about 27th in Major League Baseball. And that fits about where the rec- well, not not where their record is, but where their season outlook is, if you will. So, Max, let me ask you this question. Do you think that a talent gap is holding the Royals back if there even is one? Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. They don't have enough talent. I mean, Matthew Lamar kind of wrote about that this week. They just, they, they don't have enough talent. There's just not enough good players. And even if you believe in Bobby Wood Jr., Vinny Pascantino and MJ Melendez, which, you know, for being honest, you know, one of those guys probably isn't going to be quite as good as we thought. Maybe one will exceed expectations. Um, but even if those guys are really good, I mean, how much talent is there behind them? I mean, I like things I see out Kyle Isbell. He's got, he's a good defender. He hasn't hit at all. Um, Edward Olivares has hit a little bit, but he is an adventure in, in at the outfield defensively. And he is not good enough offensively to be a DH. Uh, Nick Prado is, is, you know, there's things I like about his games. There's a lot of things I don't like about his game. And he's not exactly hitting the cover off the ball in Omaha right now. Uh, and then you look at the minors and, you know, I, I posted articles in the off season about how, you know, Hey, the Royals are ranked really low in organizational rankings. And I got a lot of like, well, of course, yeah, they just graduated all their top prospects. And I, I'm like, okay, well, those guys better be good because there's nothing coming up behind them right now. There's, there's going to be a gap before like, you know, Gavin cross. And then, you know, I don't even know who, who else you'd be counting on at that point, Michael Garcia, maybe, but yeah, there's just not enough talent. And, you know, look, you can supplement that through free agency and trades, but you also need a team that's willing to spend money to do that. The Royals have not established they are going to be that under John Sherman. Now, I still hold out hope that they will be, if nothing more, than to galvanize support for a downtown stadium next year. But um, they're going to have to do something because there is not enough talent in this organization. Maybe there's a thought they can coach some guys up. Uh, I think they're probably putting a lot of stock on that. And we've seen some decent early results with the pitchers. But it's been very uneven, and it's we don't know if it's going to you know last beyond three weeks. We also know the pitchers get hurt, yeah, as we're going to talk about in a minute with Chris Bubich. So um, yeah, it, 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 there's got to be a way to infuse more talent into this organization uh, outside the organization because I, I feel like they put way too much uh, stock in well you know the players they've drafted and developed and signed as amateurs and. Brother, I, I I don't disagree with the evaluation you heard. I mean, 27th, yeah, probably around that. I mean, then the proof is in the standing. So they have to get better, and they have to get better quick. Yeah, and uh, like you said, uh, the proof is in the standings. That they, they have the second-worst record in baseball. You don't get the second-worst record in baseball with the best talent. Like if you, if you have the best talent, you, it, it will show uh, maybe you wouldn't be the best record in baseball, but you'd be somewhere in the middle with even some bad luck at this point. Um, it just, I think that the Royals look at this team and they say, boy, we have 26 major league players on our roster and they're not wrong. Nikki Lopez is a, is a major league player. He is not a major league starter. Uh, and I think that's true of a bunch of other guys on the roster too. Uh, Edward Olivares, Kyle Isbell, uh, Nate Eaton, uh, Hunter Dozier, just to name a couple off the top of my head, guys that they have a role on a big league roster, but the Royals are asking them to fill roles that, that they aren't capable of filling. Um, they're asking them to do more than they can. And 
and it's frustrating. It's disappointing because we keep hoping that they'll grow into those roles as fans and it just hasn't worked out so far. No, it it really hasn't. And one way I think that it hasn't worked out so far is in the pitching depth in the farm system, because I'm looking at the, and you know, we're just going to pivot right over to Chris Bubich real fast. I'm looking at the options that there are to replace Chris Bubich in the rotation. And even some of these bad teams, they will have intriguing options at least to replace, you know, kind of that sixth guy or that seventh guy in the rotation that is waiting in the wings and triple a kind of ready to go. If you look at Omaha right now, I'm loving their bats. There's a lot of great things about that offense right now for the storm chasers, but man, that rotation is bad. Like not, not just mediocre with a couple of outliers. Like they are straight up bad. So there's, there's not really a true promising option to replace Chris Bubich in the rotation right now, because anyone you bring up could be a sacrificial lamb. You know, I'm, I'm looking at guys like, like Mike Mayers who he looked good in spring training, but has not looked good at triple a. And even then he's a 31 year old situational starter, if you will. So he's probably not going to go back to Omaha. He'll probably get DFA. Jonathan Heasley isn't ready to go. There's a couple of guys in double a who might be a good option, but again, those are double a guys making the jump to major league baseball, which is a huge learning curve. So Jeremy, I want to go back to you about this since it is your beloved boobage that we're talking about. After all, what would you do to address his missing rotation spot? So uh, I might go with Taylor Clark opening and Ryan Yarborough pitching. Oh as a man. man. That might be the best option that they have right now. I, like you said, there's nobody in triple a that looks good. Um, Carlos Hernandez got some starts last year. He looked really good in the bullpen in spring training, but he's not looked great in a regular season. Um, Yarborough works better with an opener. So at least uh, Quatero is aware of that and willing to work with that. Uh, but I, I don't want to promote any of the double a guys right now because I don't want to, I, maybe they will be good later and I don't want to ruin their, I don't want to rush them to the big leagues. That's what the Royals said. They did that, that hurt, you know, Boobich singer, Coar Jack and, and, um, not Jackson, um, Coar Jackson, Jackson, Coar, uh, Lynch. That's the other guy I'm trying to think of golly. Um, so that uh, they already rushed guys to the big leagues. We don't want to keep doing that just because we don't have a starter. So whoever, um, if you're going to pull somebody from the minors, then yeah, I would probably go with a Mike Myers, Mayers, however you say his name kind of guy, just somebody that I don't care about and, and we'll let him go when we're done and move on. Well, I think it's going to be, it's going to be Yarbrough. I think they, they, he just wasn't stretched out yet. And they gave him, he gave him four pretty good innings aside from that two run home run by Wallach. So I imagine he'll get the next start. Uh, but I, I agree. Like the most of the most of the numbers in the minors are pretty ugly. Omaha is dead last in the International League in ERA right now, which is not a ringing endorsement for the Royals minor league pitching development. He's has really struggled. Uh, he did throw up in his last start, which I guess shouldn't be as a surprise. Uh, Jackson Collard, ten walks uh, in ten innings with a ten point nine seven ERA. <laughs> That's uh, not ideal. I will say there are two guys that are kind of interesting. One is Austin Cox, who was kind of a prospecty guy, guy at one point. Uh, 
uh, lefty, 26 years old, 3.14 ERA in Omaha, so not too shabby. A little high in the walks department, but um, and the other guy would be Drew, uh, another kind of older guy, 25, not super old, I guess, uh, but 2.40 ERA right now. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's a particularly hard thrower. I think he kind of is one of those soft tossing kind of lefties. But look, I don't know. Neither of these guys are like top 20 prospects. Cox, maybe. I think some of the people would argue. Uh, but this is kind of what teams like the Cardinals do once in a while. It's like they give guys that are just doing well in the minors a chance. And a lot of times, sometimes it doesn't work out, but then sometimes they get to the majors and, you know, they show something. And I think it also sends a message to the other people and other players in the minors of like, okay, you perform. It doesn't matter what your prospect status, you're a top not. You're a 25, 26 year old who's just putting up good numbers. We'll give you a shot. I mean, this point, what do you have to lose in a you know lost season? So I wouldn't mind seeing one of those guys get a shot. I, I would tell you right now, I'd bet against them doing well, but give them a shot, see what they can do. Some sometimes they surprise you. As Matt Lamar is always saying, the Royals have the bad team superpower of you can throw anybody out there and you don't have to worry about your record. So, you know, might as well give somebody like Austin Cox a chance and see what happens. If he, if he's awful, well, you didn't lose anything. If he's great, well, suddenly you found something. And who has more of a future, you know, Austin Cox or Ryan Yarbrough with the Royals, you know, Ryan yeah. Yarbrough is going to be gone at the end of the year, most likely. So exactly. I, you know, wouldn't mind seeing him get a shot. That that is an excellent point. And I think I would agree with that approach a little bit more if it was, you know, if we're talking in late July, August, September, somewhere in that time frame. It just and maybe I'm maybe I've been listening to Josh Vernier a little bit too much on on 610. I, I love him. I love his postgame stuff. It is a great way that I, you know, learn how to verbalize some of my opinions and things like that. But I, I don't know, just something about like throwing a guy out there and saying, Hey, let's, let's see what happens. He's a young guy and we'll see what he's got for us. I don't, just something about that feels like throwing in the towel a little bit about the, not just the season, but the pros or the pitcher in this case, the prospect as it is, because if they struggle, man, that could really affect him down the road. We we've seen that with, with Coar and some of these other 2018 draft picks that we were all so heavily invested in. And the team was as well that have really come back to bite them. Um, but Hey, they, they still have a little bit of time to figure out something with Bubich's start, but they don't have a lot of time. Um, I think his next scheduled start would be the series finale against Arizona. If I'm doing the math correctly. So they haven't deployed Yarborough since the Friday night start. Am I wrong guys? Nope. That was a lot of time. So maybe they are prepping him for that series finale start against the diamondbacks. We'll, we'll have to wait and see if you want to keep tabs on all things. Can see Royals though, especially who's starting and the lineups and all that jazz, please go follow Royals review on Twitter and on Facebook. A lot of great news analysis and timely updates from the crew. Of course. Uh, I mean, we, we have an editor here, Max Reaper. I, I can't be talking bad about, about Royals review at all. Right, Jeremy, I think you'd fire me. Uh, he might, I, I, I've heard Max is, is notoriously quick to cut people. He's just like, get him out of here. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not, I'm not as thin skinned as, you know, as people that own social media companies, you can criticize me. I'm, I can take it. <laughs> Fair 
enough. Fair enough. Well, hey, guys, I, I know we're a little short on time, so I do apologize. But thank you both so much for joining me tonight. I think this was a lot of great conversation about the positives to take away from the Angel series. But of course, it doesn't change the fact that they did drop it. You know, they, they added another win to the win column. They broke the losing streak, but currently things are, uh, things are not sitting great for the Kansas city Royals. So we will continue to talk about our beloved team. We will continue to lament the fact that Chris Bubich is not a part of the rotation anymore, Jeremy. So my condolences <laughs> to you and your, uh, what I, I, not even fantasy, just your, your off season investment, if you will, in, in Chris Bubich, but everyone out there, please go follow the podcast uh, Twitter account at Royal rundown pod. Um, if you're listening, you know where to find Max, you know where, where to find Jeremy, you know where to find myself. So thank you so much for your support. And until next time, go Royals. <laughs>